Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Joe Labick, our pastor at uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus in Wadsworth. Welcome, Father. Thanks, Tim. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you again. Thanks. Uh, today we're going to talk about... Uh, the sacrament of marriage. But before we begin, uh, let's start with defining what is a sacrament. Well, if we go back to the Baltimore Catechism, and it's still true, uh, of course, that a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So it's a way of for us to be intimately involved in the life of Jesus Christ. Through the sacraments, we obtain a deeper, more profound relationship with Jesus Christ, being more aware of his closeness to us and the love he has for us. Okay. Well said, Father. The first question uh, for today is question 260 of the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church. And the question is, why did God dispose man and women, man and woman, for each other? Well, he did that to make them drawn to in, into his love. God is one, but yet three persons. So there's a community of persons there. And as the book of Genesis reminds us, God said it is not good for the man to be alone. So he created woman as his helpmate, as his partner. And he made them one with each other so that from their love, from their union, would come new life into the world. Okay. And then uh, question 261 asks, how does the sacrament of matrimony come about? Well, a man and woman, of course, uh, decide through their relationship that they want to spend the rest of their lives together. And so they stand before God and the church, their family and friends, and they make the vows of marriage to give themselves to each other totally and completely, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health until death. And so they are joined as one, as, as God intended them to be. They are no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined, no one can divide. Okay. You said, of course, uh, a man and a woman. Today we see uh, some challenges and attacks right. on the uh, traditional marriage. Why is it that a, a man and a man or a woman and a woman can't be united in matrimony? Well, it goes back, of course, to God's original plan, that God made man and woman different from each other, but yet complementary, so that they together would become one in that love, and from that union comes new life. You can't have that with two women or two men. It can't happen. And so it is God's design, and we do much better. Our lives are so much better when we follow God's plan. Even though sometimes we don't always like it, agree with it, it's not what everybody seems to be thinking, but it's still the truth. And that's what we have to, to really and truly go by, not just what we feel. We feel love for a lot of people, 
but you can't marry everyone you love. That doesn't make any sense. So, but you marry the one person that you want to give your life to. But there's other things that are important here, not just that you love that person, but that from your love, there will come new life. That's all part of, of the goods of marriage, is that fidelity, the openness to children, the ability to give of ourselves so that we can bring new life into the world, and at the same time draw closer to our spouse. So it's not just a, uh, the Catholic Church trying to be a big bully and tell us what to do, no. but they're actually trying to remain faithful to the Word of God to and to... The teaching that's been from really the beginning of time where where God said, let man and woman become one. one. Yes, that's right. And that's what that's what God revealed to us in Genesis when he made Adam and Eve and he put them together in the Garden of Eden and told them, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. And that continued all the way through, even though in the Old Testament... There were many of the of the people we read about in the Old Testament had more than one wife. That was, I guess, part of that culture, but that was never intended by God. And even uh, when Jesus came, he again he reaffirmed. He said, "In the beginning, God made them male and female, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother." and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. So Jesus reaffirms what God revealed to us in the book of Genesis in the very beginning. That was God's plan, and it remains his plan today and will for, for, for as long as the world exists. I think one of the beauties of being a practicing Catholic is the confidence, for me personally, the confidence that I have of knowing that the whole purpose of Christ building his church way back in Matthew 16, 18, is so that for the rest of the time of the world until the end of time, that we have someone to, to look towards or something to look towards mm -hmm. to guide us to know what the truth is and how we can live our lives. I think there's so much confusion today with so many different issues. As a practicing Catholic, I really and feel blessed that I have the faith that I do in Jesus Christ and his church so that when these some of these gray areas come up or some of these confusing, yeah. conflicting uh, things that the world give to us, we can look to the church and say, okay, what does the church have to say about yeah, this? Right. Without that direction, we're lost because you have people think differently. We all have different ideas, different feelings, and if we all just followed our own feelings and ideas, our own idea of the truth, or what we think the truth is, we'll be going off in a million directions. We have to have some kind of, of authority to teach us, and that's who ultimately that's who God is. And he has imparted and given that authority to his church, as Jesus did to Peter and the apostles, so that they can continue to teach us in his name. Okay. Well said, Father. Uh, question 262 asks, what is necessary for a Christian sacramental marriage? Well, as it says in the UCAT there, we have to have, first of all, has to be free. We have to be free uh, to, to do that, to make that commitment to another person. A person who's already married and divorced doesn't have that freedom. 
a person who is maybe mentally ill doesn't necessarily have that freedom or someone who may be immature. That's why, you know, we don't marry teenagers necessarily because they're not truly free. They're not mature enough to know what that freedom is. They also have to be, um, there has to be that affirmation to a lifelong union that this is forever. This is for the rest of my life. And so many people, because divorce is so easy to get in our present age, people in the back of their minds, they may not really think about divorce, but in the back of their minds, because of the culture we live in, there's that thought, well, if it doesn't work out, we can get divorced. And that's not a good thing. Society has made it too easy to get a divorce. 40, 50 years ago, it wasn't that easy, and people didn't think that way about it when they when they entered into the marriage. And also, there must be an openness to children, that we are open to the, to the possibility of new life. Some people can't have children. They're not physically able, and they may not find that out until after they're married. But then we have to think about what God is calling them to do. Maybe he's calling them to take care of other children by adoption or fostering children. You know, there's lots of things that God may be calling us to do. We can't, we're not free to do everything we think we should. No one has the right to have a child to the point where we go beyond what God has given us to in vitro fertilizations and all those kind of things that are take that out of the act of of love of physical intercourse between a man and woman that's not what god that's again it's not god's plan isn't that another reason why even with married couples artificial birth control is intrinsically evil and a mortal sin right because it's not open it's it's shutting off that openness to children there's god has given us the means of planning a family there's a natural a way to do that and he, he asks us to, to utilize that, and this is what the church teaches us. What about where a, a woman can't have a baby and she has a sister, for example, have the children for her using the husband's sperm to have uh, a surrogate mother? Well, again, you're taking, a, you're taking that whole act of conception out of those two people, away from that husband and wife. And, and incorporating a, a third person or maybe even a fourth person. It's possible, you know, if you have a surrogate mother and a, and a sperm donor, you have four people involved in that. Again, it's not what God intended. Think of how confusing that can be for a child that, will, you know, eventually could really traumatize and tear that child's heart apart because they don't know, they don't understand what's this all about? Where did I come from? Mm-hmm. Okay. Question 263 of the UCAN asks, why is marriage indissoluble? Because God will love us forever. And that's what love is, truly. Love is forever. Love is for our lifetime. God never stops loving us. No matter what we do, he never stops loving us. And so marriage is supposed to mirror the love that God has for us. That love between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, mirrors the love that God has for each and every one of us. And there is no divorce. God doesn't divorce us. He is always faithful. We may turn away from him, but his love never dies. And we can always go back to him. 
Same thing with the husband and wife. Whatever their difficulty, it may lead to, to them having very harsh feelings toward each other. But if they turn to God, there is a way to resolve that difficulty. If they're both willing to work at it, one person can't do it on their own. One of, one of the beauty, beautiful aspects of love is this idea of, of that it's a mutual self-giving. Right. And, of course, Christ, you know, you've always said that if we want the best example of total self-giving to look at the crucifix. But in a marriage, again, it, it's, it's about caring about what that other person wants and needs right. and, and being able to hopefully give it to them and keep yeah. them uh, happy. I, I've been blessed with 30 uh, how was it? Thirty-six years. Thirty-six years of marriage, right. and uh, I still feel that I got the best end of the deal. Mm. And, mm. I, and I tell Connie that, honey, you know you're so wonderful, and I'm so lucky. And yeah. again, I think that helps keep our marriage uh, fresh and new. And again, going to mass every week together. Yeah. Again, keeping Christ as a central part of that of that marriage. Well, we've been listening to Father Joe Labick from Sacred Heart Parish in Wadsworth talk about the sacrament of marriage. This has been Tim Perry, your host for Faith with Father, as we go through the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church on Living Bread Radio. Until next time, may God bless you and yours. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. This has been Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.